Well, last week we had many listeners sharing their thoughts on the future of coalitions within South Africa post ninety post twenty twenty four. If you look at the polls, it looks set that the ANC for the first time may come in below fifty percent at the national government elections, which means that coalition politics is very much on the cards. So we asked two political analysts, Ibrahim Fakir and Prince Mashile, to ask him to gaze into their crystal balls and talk to us about what a possible ANC DA-led government could look at. What would an ANC EFF government look like? What would a DA, EFF and all other smaller political parties, what permutations could that hold for South Africa? For many people, it may be scary thoughts. The uncertainty of coalition politics in 2024. So we thought we'd ask our political analysts to gaze into their crystal balls. Prince Mashili, political analyst on the line from Pretoria. Prince, thanks so much for joining us. Um, Ibrahim, and I'll get to him in a short while, he believes that it's probably in the best short-term interest for South Africa that the DA and the ANC find each other somehow as two of the largest centrist parties to um, to govern South Africa post-2024. You see it in another light. You seeing that particularly with the, the most recent um, news around our politics, Paul Mashatele, now our deputy president, that if the ANC comes in below 50% in 2024, that an EFF-ANC partnership coalition is very much on the cards for South Africa's future. Good morning, Prince. Good morning, Lester. Good morning to the listeners. Thanks for inviting me. Um, Yes, you see, um, there are certain developments in the country Uh, that have been unfolding uh, recently. Uh, And most people may not see through um, the developments uh, in order to understand what is going on. Um, The EFF has been collapsing the coalition governments uh, of the DA, Action SA, and other smaller parties in the Gauteng metros. That's Johannesburg, Ekuruleni, and Entwane. They have also been um, uh, wrecking the boat, rocking the boat in KwaZulu-Natal. Their relationship with the IFP uh, has been broken, it looks like, beyond repair. That comes against the backdrop of important meetings that, by the way, uh, uh, have been partly public between the EFF and the leadership of KZN, the provincial leadership of KZN went to Johannesburg to the offices of the EFF and they had a meeting with the national leadership of the EFF. There have also been meetings between the EFF and the provincial leadership of the ANC in Gauteng. Where, what is this all about? The deal is that the ANC fellows in KZN can see that come 2024, they won't clinch a majority. Mm. Number one. Number two, the ANC fellows in Gauteng, they know that come 2024, they won't clinch a majority as well. 
Number three, Paul Mashatile sees himself as the future leader of the ANC. And he himself knows that come 2024, the ANC at a national level is most likely not to clinch a majority, especially if it's going to lose in KZN and Gauteng, which are two provinces that have almost half of South Africa's population. So, Paul and the Gauteng group and the KZN group have an informal deal with the EFF that next year, if the ANC doesn't win at a national level, the EFF is going to assist the ANC to constitute a government at a national level in Gauteng and in KZN. But but is so there re- but but, uh, but princess is there is there really policy congruency? Um, the EFF in um, previous local government elections um, when uh, in twenty in twenty fourteen uh, when no twenty sixteen rather local government elections uh, the EFF came to the ANC and says these are our ten commandments these are our ten non negotiables that included issues that that focused on national issues like nationalisation of the South African Reserve Bank immediate land expropriation um all things that the anc like to talk about on paper but in practice never get to it so is there really policy congruency between the anc and the eff there is no uh, policy uh, congruence between the eff and any major party in south africa that i know of certainly not with the anc not with the da not with the IFP, not with Action SA. But the EFF has been part of arrangements to govern metros, even though there is no policy congruence between it and those it assisted to govern. And that's the point you need to get, that it's not going to be about policy congruence. It will be about power plays and resources. Mm. So yes, the ANC can go into a coalition arrangement with the EFF, especially if there is rapport between the top leaders of the two parties, that is Paul Mashatile and Julius Malim. Mm. The rest of the policy staff, they can sort out as they go along. Mm. But what I know is that such a government would be dangerous for South Africa. Mm. It would be corrupt. Um, that, that deal would involve that the EFF is given certain portfolios that the ANC would never touch in the life of that government. And the EFF chaps are as corrupt as their ANC brothers, uh, bottom line. Ibrahim Fakir joins us now. Good morning, Ibrahim. I'm going to ask you to put your, your microphone off mute. Good morning, sir. Um, you've written in the past that what's probably best suited, if you want to talk about policy congruency, best suited for South Africa's short-term future is for the Democratic Alliance and the ANC to f- somehow find each other. Hi, Lester. Morning to you and your listeners and to uh, my fellow panelists, Prince, uh, who I think often has a compelling case to make, uh, but is sometimes quite teleological in the sense that uh, this is definitely going to be the outcome. Uh, but nevertheless, it is, it is, it is quite comp- compelling, um, as, as a, as an outcome. I'm a little more skeptical than Prince. Uh, I'm not cynical, but I am skeptical. Uh, because I think anything can change in politics. 
that being the case, uh, there is some rationality, I think, to why the EFF is going to want to work with the ANC, or rather why the ANC wants to work with the EFF, at least now. But, you know, to come to your point about whether it is better to have an ANC-EFF or ANC-DA kind of rapport, I think it's better, obviously, to have an ANC-DA rapport. Uh, And it's not just because of policy congruence. Policy congruence is probably one of the least factors I'd consider in whether there would be a successful working partnership. And I don't yet want to call it a coalition. And I'm saying so for two reasons, Lester. The first is that if you take each of these parties separately, even though the ANC is ahead by a very long shot, they both represent a fairly significant chunk of uh, interests in society. Now, that's not to say that the EFF is illegitimate and it doesn't have any constituency. It does, but it is actually minuscule compared to the other two, especially if you take local government elections where the EFF hardly ever wins a single ward in any geographically defined constituency. So the ANC and the DA represent two major chunks in South African society as constituencies. This is not purely based on on race. It is actually based on interests. And I'm not talking only here about constituencies in a geographic sense, even though that matters. So that's the first reason. The second is because these parties are tracing their support and their base within fairly significant constituencies in society, those constituencies will find it possible to start working together a little more. And so the mm. question of social solidarity starts to emerge a little uh, a little stronger than it currently has. And at the moment, because of the breakdown of trust, because of the lack of, of, of confidence in institutions, levels of social solidarity in society have broken down fairly significantly. Mm. In group, solidarity is much stronger than mm. solidarity between uh, different groups in society. So mm. that's the second reason. The third is remember, I think a fair chunk of the ANC and a fair chunk of the DA do actually believe in the stability of institutions. They genuinely believe that the crafting of South Africa's institutions was a fairly indigenous process. The elaborate processes, procedures uh, in the constitution have been indigenously defined. They are a genuine uh, post-colonial, or in, in to use the fashionable word of the day, they are a genuinely decolonial construct. So, you know, for those very significant reasons, other than just policy coherence and some rapport between them on a policy sense, they are real real interest for them to start to work together in the interest of institutional stability, for some kind of stability in society, and to foster a degree of social solidarity which Mm. has started to break down. Now, with all that said, we often talk hypothetically as if these nice things are the only outcome. There are potential negative outcomes. A is that uh, the ANC swallows up the DA, B, the DA starts to get infected by the same sinews of corruption, maladministration, malfeasance, 
and so on that has animated the ANC. And some of this has already started to happen in the DA on its own as it gathered more power, as it gathered more influence and was controlled or in control of bigger budgets. They also started mimicking some of the kind of behaviors. I mean, look at what happened in the lead up to 2019. Mm. Uh, you know, you had a DA which was internally fractured and fragmented, was animated by strange ideas, including tripling uh, the kind of welfare benefits and so on. So there's there's potential downsides to it, but for societal interests, I think that would be the only kind of working relationships mm. in the short term that would make sense. Um, Prince, oh, are we are we ignoring the smaller parties? Should I say the, the the medium parties, and it's quite interesting that we're calling parties worth two, three point four percent in the National Assembly medium parties. I'm talking about the IFP, Freedom From Plus, ACDP, who will all have very entrenched constituencies. IFP in KZN, Freedom From Plus, with particularly white Afrikaans speaking South Africans, the ACDP with a, with, with a, a, a large Christian religious base in South Africa. Are we, are we ignoring those medium sized parties at our peril when it comes through the permutations of 2024? We we have so far ignored the smaller party because of the two scenarios we have entertained. We have entertained the EFF ANC. We have entertained the ANC DA. This is a third scenario which is possible. And if we entertain the third scenario, we will bring in the other smaller parties. And let me outline the third scenario, which is possible, by the way, and it could actually be a viable option for me um, uh, uh, as a source of stability for our country. It is a coalition government that is anchored uh, around three parties, the DA, the IFP, and the Action SA, being the biggest parties in that arrangement. This, by the way, scenario is not impossible. If the ANC were to drift below 40%, say it gets 35% because South Africans are hurtful um, about, about trading, it gets 35% and the EFF gets 10%. They, both of them wouldn't form a government without inviting another party or two. So in a situation like that, it would be possible for the EFF, the DA, and the IFP to form a government inviting the Freedom Front Plus, ACDP, and other smaller parties. In my view, by the way, that scenario we should not dismiss because it is possible and it could be viable. Mm. It would be more stable, by the way, let me explain. In the, because, one, the three party, big parties would know that each one of them actually stands no chance of constituting a of, of running that government without the other. Number two, it would be almost impossible to do corruption in a situation like that because these many parties, number one, wouldn't trust each other. They would always watch each other. If you wanted a job in such a government, it would be very impossible for each one of them to deploy their cadres because they would say, no, we don't want your Qaeda, so let's open up the process, mm. let it be fair. So there are advantages and disadvantages in an arrangement like that, but let's entertain it. Mm. Uh, 
Ibrahim, I'll, I'll allow you to have the last word. Um, the theatre of our politics rival that of a Manchester United Liverpool arch rivalry. Never, ever will I entertain, even if it was a decent, you know, beautiful seven goals by Liverpool on Sunday. I would never entertain even lifting my eyebrows to that. And, and our politics is like that. There are many messages here saying the DA, ANC, never, ever, ever. And then you give the other options. Well, the DA and the EFF, no, never, ever. So in terms of what our voters, what our electorate, what their appetite is, does that match the goals of our political parties? Because we know that our political parties play to the audience in this theater of South African politics. Um, on the contrary, Lester, they don't. Uh, if that were the case, we wouldn't have the kind of social distance. And by the way, social distance has been a thing in South Africa way longer mm. uh, than the period that we had COVID. And when we talk about the social distance, you're talking about the distance between people in society, the constituencies in society, and those people who purport to rep- represent them. So what you actually have in our parties, uh, as as you you say, uh, and you could contend that sure, that the, the parties play in this theatre to the audience. They don't. In fact, I think they are so distanced from the audience that they've manipulated the audience. They've manipulated voters and people for such a long time and abused them that come the 2020, 2020, 2019 and the twenty twenty one local election. Those two elections started seeing a decline in voter participation. And by this, it's not just this technical exercise of saying, ah, people everywhere as democracy matures, as society moves on, have less of an interest. Here there's an active withdrawal. This active withdrawal is based on a lack of credibility and trust, not just in public institutions. The source was the active distrust, mistrust even, active mistrust of political parties. Because once they get into these public institutions, they behave as if they are representing only themselves. There's no other interest which is being pursued. And so over time, this mistrust is built so deeply that there is an active dislike, is an active distaste for them. And if you look at any reliable public survey, and I'm talking by the ones done by marketing companies, the ones done by real social science agencies like the Human Sciences Research Council or the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation and the Afrobarometer, it will tell you that the level of trust and confidence in political parties is below a quarter, below a quarter. And what that has done It has started infecting public institutions because the parties, once they ascend into being elected, they animate and they 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 populate these public institutions. It's created a crisis of credibility in these public institutions. And the problem with prolonged crisis of credibility is that it starts to have a crisis of legitimacy. Ibrahim Fakir there. I have to leave it there. Running out of time, but I'd love your thoughts. 021-446-0567. It is our Wednesday panel. Two political analysts gazing into their crystal balls. Prince Mashili, really appreciate your time. Ibrahim Fakir, also appreciate yours. What do you think? 072-567-1567.